Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and welcome to Games on Film. Thank you for joining us on this latest edition of Games on Film, and the episode today is focused on Angry Birds, the Angry Birds movie. And we've learned recently going to be the first Angry Birds movie, isn't it? Because there's going to be a new one coming out in a couple of years. Yes, they announced a sequel, but I think it was only maybe in the past month or so at time of recording that they started to put together an extended cast list. Mm. Where is the Angry Birds franchise going to be in a couple of years? Because the impression I got when this film came out was that it was a Angry Birds bubble, if not burst, was it was definitely on the wane. Does a bubble wane? <laughs> <laughs> bubble just bursts. Mm. There isn't really a stage beyond a bubble existing no. and a bubble not existing. Well, until a sequel title is mm. is announced, let's call this the Angry Birds movie, and okay. then we'll worry about the Angry Birds movie two, sure. which is probably the likely title. Yeah. So Angry Birds um, came out in what 2016. The film. The film, the film. And the game came out, I think the first game was 2009. Mm. Uh, Did you ever download the original? Yes, I played a little bit. Maybe not sort of at the exact same time at the peak of its popularity. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, my current phone has very limited space for apps, so I haven't been able to download it recently to replay Mm. it in advance of this episode, because there have been multiple iterations since. But I've I've played the... I did play the original a little bit, and I thought it was an okay time-pass sort of game. I didn't really find myself addicted to it in the way that other people might have been. I find with those kind of games, I prefer a puzzly app which is more thoughtless. I mean, the thing is, the Angry Birds game requires a little bit of thinking. Yes, there's something satisfying about just flinging birds at these structures um, and not necessarily caring about the strategy in order to progress. But I don't know, with a mobile game, I tend to like something a bit more just like moving blots around Uh, without really sort of thinking about exactly what you're doing necessarily. Mm. I think Angry Birds requires a level of strategy which I I don't usually look for in a mobile game. Well, that's interesting because I downloaded Angry Birds the other day just to give it a a go-over. I had originally downloaded it on my iPad 1, uh, which I had... Um, before they started to put all the useful features in an iPad, like cameras and the like. <laughs> but um, so I, it's called Angry Birds Classic, and I downloaded it and I played it a few levels, and I remember why I really hated it. <laughs> I really hated Angry Birds because the first few levels are uh, quite a lot of fun, as you say, quite cathartic, just smashing castles and things, and that's quite nice. But you say strategy, I say luck. It quickly gets to a point where you would do the same manoeuvre every single time and eventually it will that time it will work and that really annoyed me. So um, Is it kind of more like the mobile phone equivalent of one of those penny arcade 
tipping mm. things where you're just sort of plugging stuff in. I mean, this was maybe before microtransactions and stuff. I haven't played any of the more recent iterations. Maybe it is a case of pay more in order to um, uh, have another go. Mm. But um, I guess there is, yes, I mean, there is a certain random element. I just sort of, I assumed maybe that later on there was more strategy, but maybe you are right. Maybe it is just I didn't play anymore because it was just very luck-based. I read up when Angry Birds 2 came out, which I think was in 2015, it was the actually 12th game in the franchise. Yes. And if I recall, the reviews were a little bit lukewarm, and that could be partly because they had said messed around with a good thing, you know, how they, they whenever Tetris has a new iteration, it's missing the purity of the original. And I think with Angry Birds 2... Too, they added too much stuff. There might have been too many microtransactions, and it was just too. The, the, the franchise has sort of run its course ever so slightly. For anyone who hasn't played Angry Birds or knows ah. what we're talking about, well, maybe we should explain a little bit of what the game is. I mean, I read by January 2014, it had been downloaded two billion times. So I think most people will know what it is. But maybe if people are listening to this podcast 20, 30, 40 years from now... And this is the only Angry Birds-related media which survives. What, what is this bird that is angry? Let's find out. So in this game, you've got uh, sort of a, a city... Um, I want to say it looks like worms, but I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to not compare like-for-like imagery. Yes. So... You know how you often, of a day, like to grab birds and use a slingshot to throw them at buildings, um, as we do? Yeah, you know. every day. So it's like that. They translated that into a game. They use a slingshot to dismantle a little construction made by green evil piggies. And I think in the original games, it was just to kill the piggies. But I think the more the game goes on, there's eggs to save, I think. But it's mostly clearing the stage by throwing birds with different abilities at um, castles. And so it's using sort of physics yes. to project things and then you knock over parts of structures and hope that by hitting one brick or mm. a piece of timber that that will create a, an effect. A domino effect. A domino effect. Mm. Uh, I'm Agent Domino Harvey and I'm a bounty hunter. What's that from? Uh, Domino, the Kira Knightley bounty hunter movie from wow. 2005. Okay. The Deep. Domino Effect. That's <laughs> that's where the Domino Effect got its name. Deep cut. Yes. Uh, yes. So by using that strategy, you knock over the structure, and the idea is to use as few birds to uh, knock things over. So there is a certain. I think we were talking in the Rampage episode about the satisfaction of destroying mm. structures and buildings, and yes, you were saying that has a cathartic effect in doing so in these games. But there were multiple iterations before the officially numbered sequel. Mm. And I think one, they did a version, I guess Angry Birds' first foray into animation was they did a spin-off for the DreamWorks animation Rio. Right. And then Rio 2, maybe? Oh, yes, I remember Rio figurines. Yeah, I mean, so they so they had that. Well, I mean, it did become... A phenomenon and i think it's like tetris i suppose it was everything it was a game anyone could enjoy 
and it kind of rode the wave of everyone having smartphones, everyone having tablets. It was just a perfect game for that because, you know, everyone remembers there was the throwing the paper into a, a recycling bin game, but this was just a little bit more fun, had a little bit more personality. You know, as I'm recording now, I am wearing Angry Birds socks, which I was given by yeah. my mother-in-law, and, and very nice socks they are. Um, one depicts an Obi-Wan Kenobi Angry Bird, and one depicts a Yoda pig. So um, I'm sure George Lucas is spinning in his grave right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they had the so they had the Angry Birds Star Wars yes. spin-off mm. titles as well. So in a way, Angry Birds has become like Lego in the same sort of category of having spin-off iterations using these the sort of framework of the games. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is is that. I don't think from the time when it was first developed, I don't think they had in mind that this was going to be a super mega hit, because I sort of feel like the design of the characters isn't the most interesting or is the most pleasing. It has a very, I think there's a lot of mobile games which have come since, which have sort of aped that Mm. same style. Well, they kind of, I do think they've refined the design as, as the games have gone on. But I think every game developer, especially in the mobile phone market, is dreaming for the super hit. I think it, I think a lot of game developers who do this kind of thing, you know, that, that is, why are they doing it if not to get mm. that mega hit? And I think there's a lot, you can make a game in your bedroom, just like in the Spectrum days. So um, everything comes around, I suppose. But I think with Angry Birds, what they... What they benefited from was because it came out at a time just when, as you say, you had it on an iPad 1. Yes. And so it came out at a time where I think tablets were starting to get quite big. Smartphones were getting quite big. Mm. And this was probably the first... And also around this time in the late 2000s was the start of the sort of first wave of indie games. Yes. Um, You know, you had uh, things like Braid and... um, Super Meat Boy and those kind of things, slightly more challenging titles than Angry Birds. Mm. But I think people were more inclined to try out sort of new original properties and something different and um, small games could become big selling mm. titles as a result. And also people were getting these devices and hungry to put something on them. Mm. And so if, if something... Justify their yeah. ridiculous purchases. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, well, you know, mobile phone contracts means you're not really paying any too, anything too big up front sometimes, are you? But um, so yeah, I can't deny, even though I personally... Uh, find the gameplay quite trying in Angry Birds. Can't deny that it's a, a massive phenomenon. Haven't really paid attention to it since the first game. Like I said, I was a bit put off by this by the reviews of the second. Um, but I'm sure they'll be making Angry Birds games for for many a year to come. And would not surprise me if they make a tie-in game or a big third game for the second Angry Birds movie. Yeah, I, I'm. I think what you were saying. I'm quite surprised that. By the time the Angry Birds movie came out, that there was still some interest in the games. But I guess, you know, I would have thought post the first release, there'd be a lot more competition. But clearly something has stuck, something with the characters or something with the the dynamic of the gameplay has maintained its audience. Maybe talk about the developers, Rovio mm-hmm. Entertainment. I believe Rovio is the correct pronunciation, but they're based in Finland. You know, Finland's home to quite a few big games studios. I think one of the other ones we'll talk about eventually is uh, Remedy, 
Entertainment. They were the developers of Max Payne. All right, yeah. Um, and they since did Quantum Break and Alan Wake. Okay. Um, so, and they're very much cinematic focused, and obviously there was a Max Payne movie, which we'll do one day, I'm sure. I remember they were promoting uh, Alan Wake with a series of live-action f- films as well, yeah. so maybe we'll look at those. And Quantum Break was all episodic cinematics um, with, like, Aidan Gillen and... Um, <laughs> Why does Aidan Gillen make me laugh? I just always think of his accents. <laughs> we, I've, I've actually... We've, um, my girlfriend Lisa and yeah. I, we met Aidan Gillen and we asked him about Quantum Break. Oh, right. What did he say? He said that um, his son enjoyed killing him in the game lots of times. <laughs> <laughs> what accent was he attempting to do in Quantum Break? I don't know. Maybe we'll do an interview. Uh, you be Aidan Gillen and I'll... And I'll Asked you about Quantum Break. Uh, so, Aiden, I um, enjoyed uh, seeing you in action in the video game Quantum Break. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I can't do, I can't, I can't do him unless he's talking about Game of Thrones um, <laughs> because he changes his accent throughout. Sometimes he's talking about how you have to climb the ladder, and sometimes you have to talk about power, and you must grab it with both hands. And I'm doing it just as well as he does. <laughs> But I, I love him, you know, seriously. I'm always happy no. to see him. But as I said, his voice just makes me... It, it... It's a fun voice to do. Mm. It's like Bane in Dark Knight Rises or something. <laughs> Sometimes it's just but they entertain st- yourself. But they shared a scene together, remember? Yeah, they did. Why would you throw someone out of a plane? Oh, oh I, I think I have to do that, Bane. I have to throw you out of the plane. <laughs> it's a picture of me with a small dog. <laughs> anyway, It's me with a small dog in yeah. the nip. <laughs> so that's um, off, ta- off track a little anyway, bit. Anyway, so finished video game development. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Rovio Entertainment made Angry Birds. And uh, I actually went to um, Finland a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And we went to the Design Museum in Helsinki. And amongst all these sort of famous sort of uh, ceramicists and fashion designers and all this kind of um, interesting Finnish design, they had Angry Birds included in there. So it's place in in Finnish history is assured. It's certainly one of its most successful exports. It probably rivals mm. Moomins mm. in terms of just uh, popularity. In but- fact, the uh, Angry Birds movie, being a US Finnish co-production, is the most successful Finnish film of all time. So take that, Aki Kurosmaki. Mm. How does a designer know when they're Finnish? <laughs> oh... Well, some people would say that an artist's work is never finished. Exactly. <laughs> See, I should have said that loudly in the museum. Ejected. I love Finland. <laughs> no, I do. I can't Apologies to, to all our Finnish listeners. Big Moomin fans uh, in my household, so because um, that's all I got to contribute. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think Moomins have a bit more of a I would like charming to design. Angry Bird game. Uh, Moomin crossover where you th- you chuck Moomins at c- at concrete buildings. <laughs> that would be quite good. So yeah, I mean that that's it's it's just interesting that such a small development team has made uh, a huge franchise, mm. and not only that, but it's not that necessarily that a big screen movie version legitimizes video games or legitimizes the indie development, but it's probably. In terms of video game adaptations, one of the smaller original titles, which since become a blockbuster, and then, I don't know, the film version was made kind of in-house. I mean, we were talking oh. about Wing Commander. Yeah. 
and that being from uh, the same director of the games mm-hmm. and creator of the games. Yeah. This is not made, not written necessarily or directed by people who made the games. <laughs> well, that's why you could end it. This wasn't written necessarily. Oh, no, it was all improvised. <laughs> but apparently, uh, Rovio, the, the game developers, they created an in-house animation studio mm-hmm. uh, just to make this movie. They've also made um, Angry Birds tunes. There's these oh, yes. small animated shorts. I think, is that also on Netflix? I think so, mm-hmm. yeah. Not hand-drawn animation, but sort of 2D animation mm. style. And the design is more like the games itself. But yeah, so the, the game developers, they set up their own in-house animation studio because they wanted to, they didn't want to sort of cede it to a third-party yeah. animation studio. They, they, they saw how that worked with Final Fantasy, the spirits of it, <laughs> and uh, they rolled with it. So, Although in both cases, we'll get into the film very shortly, but mm. in both cases, the animation, at least at the time, it was very good. I think, you know, considering this is the first film by this animation studio, I thought the animation of the film was very um, yeah, I impressive. Yeah, I think this film looks gorgeous. Yeah. And I think that, that sort of, for want of a better phrase, coloured my view of the film. Yeah. So I think the first shot of the film is this fantastic sort of what's he, tracking shot, scrolling, scrolling, <laughs> thinking about phones. <laughs> but it's this tracking shot right down to the island where Red is just running through the jungle. And I'm not usually one to say this, but there's a lot of shots in this film where I'm thinking, gosh, I'd like to have seen this film in 3D because there are quite a few beaks in the frame, faces, <laughs> faces sticking through pipes and... Lots um, of birds flying into the screen. Exactly right. And um, and yeah, so as I was saying earlier, I really enjoyed the colours and the look of this film. I mean, if you if you look closely, not with the same depth as Pixar, because they are, I guess, just, they've got all the money in the world to throw at it. But still, I don't think, I think the, the slightly simplistic design of, of some of the scenery and stuff, just, it's all in its favour. It just looks very vibrant. And And it also, the characters look very solid. Yes. I think sometimes a lot of animation by... Well, I was just comparing it to... There's a lot of European animations which have come out in the UK which have very cheaply made and they've been hastily sort of redubbed and they just sort of fill half-term cinema screens and then disappear without anyone caring about them. All the characters look hollow. Yeah. You cite and... Europe, I cite, I cite uh, Sir Billy in Scotland. Um, oh, um, Rory was very kind one birthday and bought for me on DVD, I think, an entirely Scottish production, a CGI. I was going to use the word triumph. That, that might be... Trial. <sighs> trial is more accurate. And it was basically Sean Connery rescuing animals that he lived with. He drove an Aston Martin. Um, he's voiced by a clearly... Not giving two shits on Connery. <laughs> and um, I think in the first 20 minutes, he does a very lengthy speech against of Scottish bylaws or something. So um, do track down Sir Billy. Sir Billy, re- Games on Film recommends. <laughs> our, non- our non-game adaptation recommendation for this week is... Sir Billy. Is this a new segment? <laughs> it is a brand new segment. Um, so, um, but yes, you are right. This... It's a step up from some of those uh, European cheap animations. I mean, earlier I said Pixar had all the money in the world, but the games company clearly has a lot of money too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we got this dynamic, kinetic scene when he is racing through the jungle with what looks like an egg in his hands. Um, he gets into all sorts of scrapes. At one point, he falls through a tree and lands on his giblets. 
and I check the rating, it's a U, and there's quite a few near the knuckle jokes for a U slash universal rating. Yeah, we'll get into it in a little bit, but yes, the Netflix guidance was toilet humour and innuendo and mild language. Yeah, no mention of a pedo joke, which comes up later. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But just in terms of the animation again, mm. it was... The characters look solid, but also there's a stretchy flexibility to it. The opening sequence is very slapsticky. Mm-hmm. It reminds you of the kind of classic Warner Brothers cartoons, or a little bit like the Strat sequences in Ice Age, mm. and that kind of runs throughout the film. There's a lot of sight gags. There's a lot of business happening in the background. Business happening, and also just again about the quality of animation. Very nice water effects too. It's a quality production. I will point out at this point as well spoilers yes you know if you don't want to hear what they do with the slingshots halfway through the film <laughs> you can, uh, sh- shut off now so i have a question why was red running late because and there's a big question i think throughout, i had throughout the film is red an asshole or is he a victim of circumstance which has made him an asshole now in real life i, I believe people no one's born an asshole but this is fiction believe it or not. And um, I just, he gets really het up at the end of the sequence because he risked his life to get this egg to its destination. But it probably is his fault. Well, why do you think he was late? It doesn't really say. He clearly took a very roundabout route Mm. to get to where he he needed to be. He lives on the beach. Yeah. So this is an island of of birds. Of happy, stupid birds. Flightless birds as well. So he couldn't fly there, no. and obviously that comes into play later. Mm. But yes, I I was trying to work out exactly whether... So Red's like the main character. He's the sort of face of Angry Birds in the games, mm. and he's voiced by Jason Sudeikis. There is a little bit where there's a sort of montage which happens yes. um, during the titles, which kind of shows the life of misfortune. Mm. He was abandoned. Yeah, and bullied. Um, and as an or- he was orphaned. He, was, he had terrible, terrible eyebrows, apparently. Everyone mocked him for his eyebrows. Yes. Reminds me of that, um, who's that model turned actress, Carla. Carla Delevingne. Yeah, a bit like her. Was she called eyebrows at school? Maybe. Was Is she, she an did angry she, bird? Did she come out of an egg? <laughs> Probably. Um, but I don't think she can fly. But, but that's the thing. So, I mean, I was watching this film at the start and I thought, is he going to be happy at the end? Is the story going to be he finds peace and is he happy end? And I'm not sure if the film conclusi- conclusively answers the question either way. It's, it's, it's a, got a slightly messy message. And again, we'll go into this as we go through the episode. But yeah, at the start, I wondered if he was a... I mean, Victor Meldrew in One Foot in the Grave... <laughs> I was thinking more Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm. But... <sighs> Larry David ripped Vi- off yeah. Victor Meldrew. Larry David is the American Victor Meldrew. Yeah, but I would say actually a crucial difference between these two comic legends is Larry David is kind of an arsehole. He was doing sort of nasty things. In the show, I hasten to add. Um, He's probably like that in real life though like too. Probably that in real life. But I feel that Victor Meldrew... He's always cast as a moaning person, but it's because he horrible things happens to him. So I think at the very end of the sequence, um, Red is transporting this egg, which turns out to be a cake, to a birthday party, and he's late. And the people... Birds, actually. (laughs) (laughs) The birds, the mum and dad bird at the birthday party are really angry with him. And I don't know if the film wants us to be on Red's side or not. Because 
As I think I've established before in multiple episodes now, I seem to be a bit of a, a stickler for law and order and safety helmets. And if even if my entertainment slash um, cake transport was late, I would be pissed off, actually. Crucially, actually, why would you hire your entertainment to bring your cake as well? So maybe it was their fault. Yeah, they doubled up on tasks. They tried to save money and... Uh, they failed. I it, mean, it landed right what, in their what, face. What do you? Th- I mean, I guess the very next scene, Red is on trial, and I'm trying to think now what is Red's day-to-day job because this is a kind of an island where people have jobs, and so is Red's primary job a clown or is it primarily a cake delivery service? I don't know. It's not established. Maybe there's room for that in the sequel. He talks about a star rating at one point. Three stars, like in the game. Yes, he says, can you rate me one to three stars? Mm-hmm. And that was my first game reference. Game ding, ding, reference. Ding. Maybe it takes a little while, but in that instant, it's hard to side with either side of the argument because we don't really know the characters too much. Mm-hmm. And also that red sort of wisecracking like isn't that funny so when he's like oh you want cake huh you want Mm. cake and sort of just throws it in the guy's face it just seems like mean yeah and it's not funny it's and then he like almost kills their unborn child i mean infanticide (laughs) is kind of a theme running through the movie yes I mean, he doesn't, but we only really know it's sort of safe until after the opening credits montage. Yeah, and there's also perhaps a number of times where, um, in his job up until this point, where he has just quietly murdered a couple of chicks and not thought most about it. The humour, I thought, was fine. So there's, there's a few jokes I really liked in this film. Um, it reminded There's a lot of background jokes which reminded me of Aardman animation sort of pun but not done as well. Yeah, there's a lot of very obvious... First first pass jokes. Yeah, some of it's fine, and it's just, okay, that's like, you made a pun there, but some of it gets into pop culture stupidity. Yeah. There's like, um, I mean, some examples you see later on, Kevin Bacon in Hamlet. Yeah, Daft... Hamilton. Yes, Daft Pig. Daft Piggy, That's not funny. Yeah. That's just... Daft Piggy. <laughs> it's a little bit Shrek sequel territory mm. in terms of just um, bad yeah. puns. And they, they just sit there. They just hang. I mean, one of the pigs is introduced as John Hamm. Yes, that I was think, the joke. Yeah, that's it. That's the joke. They just name an actor who's got Ham in his name. Mm. I mean, Although actually, there was one where it was a radio and it just says Ham on it. And that's almost a good joke. Oh, there's a scene actually, a little bit skipping for a bit further ahead, where... Red sneaks onto the piggy's boat and there's just one shot where we walk through all these references, the ham radio, there's 50 shades of, of green. green. Okay, I suppose. <laughs> they open a door and there's lots of cars in there and I don't know Dukes of Hazard well enough, but I was assuming there's a Boss Hog reference in there. Mm, possibly. Um, and you know what though, in my notes, uh, we meet this one character, Terence, voiced by Sean Penn and he's a big... Voiced is voiced. a... Is a is... Yeah, we'll, well. Get, we'll get to that. Um, and he was the tough one. And I wrote down, they're going to do the joke. He's hard-boiled. They didn't do that joke. So oh, I was wrong. They missed it. Saving, saving that for the, for the sequel. sequel. They basically will just watch the film again. And then anything that any jokes they didn't make about birds or eggs or pigs. Mm. 
they'll add it in then. But the script was written by John Vitti, mm-hmm. who is probably best known for uh, being credited as writer on an, a bunch of classic Simpsons episodes. Oh, right. So he wrote, or at least credited as writer, on some classic episodes like Lisa's Substitute. Oh, my God. When Flanders Failed, Radio Bart, Mr. Plow, Cape Fear. Not, well, well, you know what? I really... Well, I, I'll get to how I felt about this film, but I feel like I should have got a lot more laughs, perhaps, out of that. Yeah, and a I lot feel more emotion. maybe as well, We maybe we should just talk about it now, but in terms of the, I don't know, we were saying earlier about the, the appropriateness mm-hmm. of the of the jokes, mm-hmm. and I saw on Netflix this was in the ages two to four category for children. I see. And there's some pretty, I don't know, Sexy jokes. Name a sexy joke. Um, <laughs> Why did that sexy chicken cross the road? <laughs> well, okay, so the big one is when jumping way ahead, the pigs kidnap the eggs, mm-hmm. and the strategy when suggested, um, you know, we have to get back our eggs um, because of all our unborn children have been stolen by pigs, mm-hmm. and one character. Uh, says, okay, let's lay some aids and starts thrusting his uh, groin and suggests that rather than we go and rescue all our children, we basically oh, just have, have an a orgy. massive sets party. Take a mind off things a bit. I thought you were referring to the bit where um, he's saying, who would steal children? And they look through the crowd and then there's one bird whose job seems to be hugging people. Yeah. He's holding his hands out to the camera and he's just n- furiously nodding. And he goes, you look like you would steal children or something <laughs> to that effect. And again, that's that's something which has to be explained in the car a little bit. I always talk about journeys home in the car. <laughs> I don't have kids, so maybe I'll just let them give them all sorts of life experiences later on. Just sit them down in front of inappropriate films. I mean, there's your typical bad language stuff like pluck my life yeah. and bird control and angry flocking birds. Yeah. Why, 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 does, why, why is that funny? Oh, because it sounds like fuck, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So it's it's not always the most clever things. And I, I get that some of it would, like, go over kids' heads. But there's also, I don't know. I mean, I, I, we, we sit here criticising the humour slightly, but I, I've already done one lead balloon <laughs> clangor of a joke, so I'm, I'm not... It's not that necessary. I mean, bad jokes are bad jokes, good jokes are good jokes. It's mm-hmm. just, there's... it's It's a bit strange for... I don't know. I just didn't expect seeing this film, going into watching this film, that the going into your living room to going watch this into film. my living room to watch this film because it was had to shown to your seat by the usher. Yeah, had to be in my room at the right time to see it. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect the kind of toilet sexual humor mm. to be there, but maybe I'm just uh, oblivious to it. Maybe that's just what kids like these mm, days. Games of film is your moral barometer. Um, <laughs> so refer to us before you send your kids kids to watch uh, Angry Birds. It was just struck me as a little odd. Mm. Okay, big stole our kids. That sucks. Made all you guys look like idiots. You know what we gotta do? We start replacing those kids. Ladies, get busy! We're gonna be laying some eggs tonight. No, oh, stop! No, 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 no. But also, just the themes of the film set seemed like a little bit adult because basically we have you know after this opening montage we see some clips of why 
Red is kind of angry and his angry past. Yeah. Um, we go straight into, as you say, a courtroom sequence. Yeah. And uh, it culminates in Red being sentenced to take anger management classes, which isn't really the setup for a kid's film, well, usually. You, you say that, but I think kids are far more attuned to their emotions than ever before. And I bet they do all sorts of anger management training. And, you know, if, if the drugs don't work, then... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying whether it's appropriate or inappropriate. It's just whether the uh, the concepts are there. I yeah. mean, are kids clued up on courtroom dramas and and That's probably therapy? not. I don't know. Um, but they can tell that Red's in a bit of trouble. And so he t- does get sent to anger management. We get a little bit of a montage of what life is like on this island. I think one thing worth noting is that the animators wanted to give the birds uh, arms and feet, which they don't have in the video games. It's just to help them express each other. I think they're little, there's little, little baby birds which maybe don't have feet. Yeah. They puff around a little bit. But, and um, you see the original designs as well when he's in the courtroom and you've got the courtroom sketch artist... And he's yes. drawn them in the classic Angry yeah. Birds style. And that's a nice little running gag. I think I've mentioned this earlier. These are big island of stupid birds. Again, the end of the film, we're kind of meant to care about saving them. <laughs> <laughs> these these people are thick. These birds are thick. And these happy, happy islands, which reminds me of not seen it, I have to hasten to add, but the, show, the film Trolls, based on the troll toys. Okay. So when we're meant to feel bad when bad stuff happens to him. But um, but I think Red is, even though he's the anti-hero, he's meant to be the audience surrogate and he's the mm. cynic mm. amongst all these simple, happy birds. And so I guess that's meant to be the incongruity there. I suppose, I mean, I really liked where Red lived. I mean, he's, he's actually meant to be a bit of an outcast, but I don't want to beachside property yeah. did he um, he designed that himself yeah that was his like lifelong dream was to have that house on the beach yeah and people were telling him you may have noticed nobody protested when you went to the live on your own somewhere and that sounds like a dream to me yeah. I'm, I'm i've got a red t-shirt on and wearing angry bird shot socks i want to live on an island away from everyone <laughs> so he goes to anger management and we meet the other main characters we've got well the person doing the anger management is uh, called matilda voiced by maya rudolph mm-hmm. who i know best from bridesmaids uh, yeah i thought she was great in that and it was always nice to hear her Chuck, voiced by Josh Gad. Yes. And Bomb, uh, voiced by Danny McBride. And as he mentioned earlier, Terence, who's a big ginormous bird, who's not really voiced but growled by Sean Penn. Yes, I couldn't remember. I was waiting for some dialogue. I, and it I was looked just... up the cast. <clears throat> I looked up the cast on IMDb and I was waiting for his moment. And he didn't speak for about 10 minutes. I thought, oh, well, he probably speak halfway through or something but nope at the very end he goes la 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 he sings yeah but do you think he was in that for contractual reasons did he owe like sony columbia pictures well i read something saying that he he didn't know what angry birds was so he wasn't one of the two billion yeah <laughs> <laughs> who downloaded the game no um and it had to be sort of explained to him and when it was explained he was on board i think he might have been a friend of either one of the cast or crew as well and maybe he just liked the joke of it all where you get this big name star just growling and matilda says to them why do you think you're here what have you done and we get 
uh, like a male choir chanting terrible, terrible mu- you music and we hear screams and we see sirens glaring and I thought well what could he have done that is serious enough to make Matilda freak out because Matilda's looking through Terence's file and she's like oh, oh, my, oh my god blah, 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 blah. we don't learn what he did bad it's, stuff it's bad bad enough to need anger management but not bad enough to go to jail <laughs> like there is maybe there isn't a bird jail but Sort of implies didn't fly the troop. If it was, if it was something, be so shocking that Matilda can't even mention it. Sort of implies, I don't know, any sort of serial killer in real life can just needs a little bit of anger management to then be sent out on his way. Yes, yeah, so we're introduced to all the different Terrence. anger management birds. So Terence, we see uh, Chuck. Hmm. Uh, who is whose characteristic is being very speedy, mm. and um, we see why did he have to attend anger management classes, and it sort of culminates in a lot of shenanigans with a police officer and him illegal, basically illegal shenanigans, ba- and him basically shitting on a police officer from a great height. Yeah, but it was no, it was ice cream in the flashback. Yeah, but then he says. Uh, but it wasn't really ice cream. Could have been an ice cream made of bird poo. <laughs> nice frozen bird poo. But we see the se- the sequence is lovely. The flashback was gorgeous. Much like the opening sequence with Red running around. We see his hyper speed um, racing past a policeman. And I like the police bird's uh, sound effects. It, 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 rather than tweeting or squawking, it sounds just like a police siren, which is a lot of fun. Josh Gad himself has a fantastic voice, does he not? Yes. That was a, a pause. Did you say, Olaf, did you think? That's the, that's the um, snowman in the room, because obviously he's famous for voicing Olaf, the snowman in Frozen. And I'm not the big, biggest Frozen fan. I thought it was okay. I'm much more of a fan of uh, Moana and Zootopia and Tangled, and the list goes on. Um, but there's no denying that Josh Gad is a fantastic vocal artist, and I really... Olaf was a character I did not like the look of of the slightest, but when he opens his gob and has a really sincere and innocent voice, um, you can't it melts your heart basically. I've just uh, went to Disneyland Paris oh, right, last yes. weekend, mm-hmm. and not a single spectacle show, parade, or fireworks illumination ended without Frozen being the great climax. I feel like there'd be riots in the street if we didn't get Frozen at every single juncture. What what was the the filtration like on Moana and... um, The filtration? The filtration. Is this kind of theme park lingo? No, I have no idea. So um, how much Frozen, Zootopia and Tangled was there? Because that's what I'd be there for. Frozen? Oh, you know, Moana. There was Meet Moana... Although in, not, not a Moana made of meat. No, you could meet. There was a meet and greet with Moana. Although in France she's called Viana. Okay. Cool. What? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. There was a little bit. There, there was tangled merch in the shops, but there wasn't really anything rubbish. Substantial. There should be a hairdresser's a tangled themed hairdresser's. Do you want extension? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How um, many miles? Um. But anyway, yes, Josh I went Gad. to Disneyland Paris. I, they sorry. had they had a very charming. I went to a Mickey and the Magician live show, and yes, they did have a Frozen section, but at least it did have a very cool Olaf puppeteering thing, and I think it sounded like Josh Gad doing the voice of that. 
Not mm. that he was actually in Paris at the time. But saying all that, I actually think I prefer Josh Gad in this than in uh, Frozen because Chuck is a little bit sassy. Yeah, he is sassy. Mm. Um, he is also the one at the, doing the aforementioned let's all have sets right now mm. joke. Okay, so the character of Bomb... Would he really exist without the game? Because his thing is that he explodes, which is something which birds don't tend to do. No. But it's a character in the game, so it just seems like they don't even try and explain it. It's just like, oh, and yeah, I guess I explode from time to time. No explanation given, but I'm shaped like a bomb because that's what the game and therefore the film demands. Well, yeah, I mean, later on in the film, spoilers... The Angry Birds do their Angry Birds thing where they're flinging themselves at castles and they just have superpowers. And that's Matilda can shoot fireballs out of her bum. And um, gosh, there's a boomerang one, which I suppose makes a bit more sense because of his beak. Giving the film the benefit of the doubt, I, I would say that they've got different degrees of anger i suppose and having someone who literally explodes makes sense in this scenario i I think actually someone i mean chuck doesn't seem to be an angry person in the slightest he's actually there to um he's just there because he's he's fast and he's a, a liar perhaps but he's not necessarily angry but i think i think it was in bomb's flashback where i first heard maybe the tinkles of Angry Birds music. Was it the theme or was it... I, I heard some da, kind da, of... Da, 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 that one. Yeah. Well, earlier on in the film, when Red's running, walking through the town, there's someone playing that music on a saxophone. Oh, okay. I didn't spot that. Mm. Spot it with your ears. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear spot it. It's here where we're, we're working out... Like, Red's here to work out some issues and we're trying to understand... That he's he has this kind of after the first day of class he's sort of walking home and he sort of puts off like oh I don't want to hang out with you guys I've got stuff to do on my own but he's just very sad he's very lonely he's an outcast he's sort of looking at other birds with their families and their mm. nests and their eggs and I put, um, a, I put a note here saying red is lonely sad yeah. face I did yeah sad sad <laughs> so you sad, know it affected me there then um, the next morning. It's a new day, and there's a little bit where the mum, mummy bird eats some seeds and vomits into the lunch bags of her kids, which is a, a bird joke, but I thought it was fun. And it's at this point of the film that the pigs arrive. It's one of those things, like in horror films, where I'm enjoying what's happening at the start, and I think if the film just continued with the anger management... Uh, if the film just continued where our, our teenagers are going to the cabin in the woods and everything's lovely, I would be quite happy. Um. <laughs> but no, we need villains, we need enemies, we need people even worse than Red. You can't have an Angry Birds movies without pigs. Although I haven't seen the Adam Sandler, Jack Nicholson film Anger Management. I don't know whether halfway through the film suddenly green pigs arrive yeah. and try put and them off. Try and steal their eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very huh? special guest for you. He's a green marine sailing machine and he's keen to let you know he's not mean. Put your wings together for Leonard! Oh, thank you so much. Please, all your applause. 
Greetings from my world, the world of the pigs. What's a pig? I am a pig. <clears throat> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh -oh. <laughs> oh, where are we going? Wrong way. Uh. Oopsie, not working. Uh, we practice this a hundred times. Oh, Give it to me. Oh. We're gonna come in again. Cool, I like the pig's boat. It's got like a wheel and oars. It's quite busy. Basically lands on top of Red's house, doesn't it? And the drawbridge goes down and the, he, he comes out doing a speech. Uh, Leonard is the name of the main pig, voiced by... Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Not sounding terribly like Bill Hader, do you think? Or... It sounds like Bill Hader doing a voice. Okay. <laughs> and then he's got a little um, compatriot called, uh, is it Ross? Right away, Red doesn't like these pigs. He takes an instant disliking to the green pigs, whereas the other birds seem to gravitate towards them almost instantly, because these pigs have uh, all kinds of mechanical devices and... Slingshots and trampolines. Yes, very odd choices of presence, oh, which I don't yeah. think would necessarily be there were they not in the games yes i absolutely the first time i watched this film i completely missed why they even introduced a slingshot but second time he does say a line saying are you tired of 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 sending things place to place or um you can actually slingshot them somewhere but yes it was quite quite labored that and like, there's a bit of humor in that i suppose a bit of meta knowledge but there's something funny about these rather strange gifts they're not sort of like gold or potions or, mm. or or something it's just these yeah weird um paraphernalia and i guess the birds are quite excited because um to their there's a to their minds their island was the entire world there's a map which says the world and it's just got their island on it and so these are strangers from a strange land um so i've got a bit of a serious point serious talk now um red he gets increasingly angry as more and more pigs arrive he says there are only supposed to be a couple and then more or more birds appear pigs pigs even more because more he sneaks onto the ship mm -hmm. basically the pigs there's a big welcome party while they're showing off all their gifts mm -hmm. he sneaks onto the ship with his compatriots and he discovers a whole load of pigs in, uh, mm -hmm. hiding away as stowaways on the vessel. But um, the other birds don't seem to mind so much as more and more pigs keep coming, completely unregulated. This film came out in uh, May 2016. Yes. The Brexit vote came out in June 2016. <laughs> came out. Yep. Brexit vote Brexit released came into out. cinemas. Uh, so... I'm wondering if this film was in partly responsible for the Brexit vote. Because uncontrolled immigration, I think there might be a little bit of UKIP money going into the making of um, the Angry Birds movie, perchance. I'm just saying, I'm just joining the dots. And I just think it's an interesting take to make the film effectively anti-immigration. I was thinking, is Red gonna be happy at the end of this film and, and but it turns out red is right these guys are assholes but that's a bad message if it's 
Okay, I I get your point. I I got that reading too. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit suspicious of that reading. Um, well, of how the film was portraying. I just think the pub, British public thought Brussels are going to take our eggs, <laughs> make our bananas straight. Beware green pigs bearing gifts. Exactly. But I I I I don't think it's. I don't think the Angry Birds movie is anti-immigration necessarily. <laughs> There's something very dangerous about this film portraying a strange race of individuals from a faraway land mm. coming to an island and ingratiating themselves with the native population. Mm-hmm. And basically one character, one sole character being very suspicious, taking it upon themselves to investigate what's going on, and then it turning out they were right all along, mm. because that suggests a whole, oh, well, I was anti-immigrants mm. before they turned violent, and now look who's turning to me because I was right all along, because these immigrants were actually being nefarious and going mm. to steal our children. Do you think we might be reading too much into uh, the Angry Birds movie, though? I think we're we're I think we're maybe reading too much into it, but I think the what it's playing around with more. I think it's less about the current immigration, mm-hmm. migration, <laughs> refugee crisis, migration like un, like swallows like unladen swallows <laughs> uh, issues. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily playing to that. I think it's more playing towards the story of the founding of America. I see. Because we have a native population Mm -hmm. and we have less an immigration, more an invading colonization force. Yeah, that's fair. And they're also bringing with them industrialization. Oh. So these birds are very happy how they are, but then they bring these newfangled trampolines, they bring these newfangled slingshots, and then just eventually... Like the, just like the Founding Fathers. Yes, and with them they brought motorised vehicles, because that's what happened when the pilgrims arrived. There's a mighty eagle as well. Yes, there's a mighty oh, eagle. I feel like I've just... I've, I've, you've, you've, I've found that I've been defending America against the Native Americans now. <laughs> oh dear. But, but uh, but the key to it as well is the strange, what the film attempts to, maybe not successfully, but to try and sell that point is that the Pates bring with them a cowboy show. Oh, yeah. And it's just, it seems very strange when you don't think about it, because it's just, why is it that these birds are so really keen on cowboy stuff? Mm. Because they have no notion of cows, let alone cowboys. That's a fair point. And all of a sudden, it's a hootenanny, a rootin' shootin' mm. tootin' hoedown, um, and they're all completely entranced by all the cowboy stuff. Mm. And I sort of feel like maybe it's trying to tell the story of, of the Native American experience. Native American experience. I see. And um, the sequel, I suppose, would be gun crime. And <laughs> and also maybe if we're going to play into that, the Native American experience. The film then slightly takes a step back by naming its main character Red. Wow, hook, line, and sinker. I think we've we've blown apart Angry Birds. Angry, we see you, Angry Birds movie. I'm not necessarily comfortable with how you're going about this. You're trying to sell this 
message if I'm not reading too much into it. But I don't know. I think you maybe you made a few missteps, but I get what you're trying to say. I think there's a bit when somebody drinks some wee, and that's funny too. Yeah. So yeah, interesting subject matter. Um, no one's listening to Red. No one's believing uh, that Red um, that these pigs might be bad news, and so um, he decides to go and seek the one creature which will help, which is Mighty Eagle, who is these is mythic figure no one really knows if he exists or not he is famously the only bird who can fly um he's also an in-app purchase i think in the video game okay the fabled dlc yeah there's a nice little um 2d animated sequence where you see a bit of background about mighty eagle and how great he is and how his six pack each little pack of his six pack has a six pack which i thought was nice a little bit of a amusing image and so Red decides to go and seek the help of Mighty Eagle with um, his two other anger management friends. But they, they climb up the mountain and there's a bit of funny business for the kids where they're doing different eagle sounds. But we eventually arrive at Mount, uh, the Mighty Eagle's, uh, what's, it, what's it called? The, the Wise, there's, there's a Lake of Wisdom. The Lake of Wisdom. Yes. Yes, I remember now because they do a joke later on about the Lake of Wisdom. And the birds are all sw- two of the birds are swimming in it and they're drinking from it and feeling all wise. And then we get the mighty eagle who quickly, he arrives and then he pees into the water, implying that they've been swimming and drinking pee. And it goes on for a long time. It goes on for a long time. And yeah, you know what? It seems when I go to the cinema, every single kid's trailer has a fart gag in it. Or a poo gag in it. It's so funny. I I, I see kids' films. I see adult films, <laughs> and not those sort of adult films. And and sometimes you see kid adulthood. Kid adulthood. <laughs> so I go and see things like Mary and the Witch's Flower and Coco and things. And these films. Good kids' films. Good kids' films. And then yeah, you get flipping Sherlock gnomes with um, a gnome in a mankini. And while I would say. Going back to what I was saying earlier about European CGI films, while I would say Angry Birds shares is cut from a similar cloth as things like Sherlock Gnomes with its weird segues into pop culture humour, I think this film did. I think I don't think there's any fart jokes in it. I mean, there's fireballs coming out of a bum, but it's more sticking bums in people's faces. Yes, yeah, so more sophisticated. That's the that's the level. Yes. Fart gags s- right at the bottom. Are you saying that Are you saying that uh piss jokes in children's films is groundbreaking territory? I mean, I think I just I, I think it's just cleverly set up, I think. It's got it's got it looks beautiful. It's, yes, the as you say nice water effects. <laughs> Good ripples on the urine going yeah. into the lake of wisdom. I, I think it's a rare instance as well where I mean the red always seems to be the fall guy in the jokes, but in this instance the it was um the two other birds who uh got piss in their mouth egg on their faces you know piss piss on their mouth is but maybe maybe in angry birds uh island they don't have the phrase egg in your face and now they'll just be like piss in your mouth no and talking about phrases we're we're jumping jumping back a bit a bit they use the phrase we do natural egg birth or something okay well let me just uh natural child hatch is the expression they used what other way of having 
eggs is there in the Angry Birds universe? Caesarean? I was going to say, do you just cut an egg out of a t- the bird's tummy? Doesn't it bear thinking about well, it? Well, no, because you, you lay an egg before you hatch it. Oh, right. I've got that all confused. So <laughs> Here's it was me natural... cu- cutting my eggs out of chickens before I have so... my soldiers. <laughs> there's, um, got that bit wrong. Uh, um, there's a Japanese dish which is like Oyako Don, which basically is um, parent-child. Mm. So basically, it means just chicken and egg and egg mm. together, like mixed up in a dish. But it's just the fact that it's called like parent-child, <laughs> like rice dish or something, is not doesn't sort of sell it to me. You can get those big chunks of ham with an egg in the middle in Morrison's, can't you? Is is that the sequel? <laughs> That's the sequel. Well, yeah. This. Uh, hmm. Anyway, culinary corner and games of film. Mighty Eagle. They think going to be a majestic saviour, then does the whole peeing into the lake and has got a big belly and looks very dishevelled and um, not the hero that will come save the day that they were hoping. Mm. Voiced by the the baritone tones of... Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, the Aidan Gillen's co-star... Peter Dinklage. Game of Thrones reunion. He's um, got a great voice for this character, I thought. And also, Pitzel's reunion. Because you have Peter Dinklage and Josh Gad. Wow. Gosh, it's all coming together. You know what? I've got got some thoughts about Peter Dinklage. I think he's great. Pray tell. (laughs) He's he's great in Game of Thrones. And I think he was great in the stuff before Game of Thrones. But in a lot of live action stuff I've seen him in, he's kind of a bit shit. Um, Don't know quite why that is. Uh, I saw him in something recently, which I probably won't go into for spoilery details, but he was doing his Game of Thrones voice in that, and it just was really awkward and weird. He gets a lot of criticism for it. Does he now? Because everyone else is, like, doing Britishness, and he's trying it, but he's got a kind of lilting voice to it, which is very (laughs) sing-song and not proper. Oh, I quite like. I mean, I like. I like it. I I, like what he's doing. But I I personally, I I've got a tin here for accents, and I often don't see why people hate on uh, Dick Van Dyke so much. Um, So, no, that is justified. (laughs) Um, With this sort of character, with Mighty Eagle, um, you do have a choice to make. He's either going to be an amazing hero, for real. Or he's going to be a false legend, and they go down the false legend route, which fair enough, I suppose. But and I had, but uh, I really enjoyed Peter Dinklage of being all vain, and we see his trophies, and he says, "I haven't counted how many trophies." Thirteen. There's also a, rec- a golden record from Eagles in there, where I went, "Hey, yeah, that's look, a joke." That's a you know, Hotel re- California, huh? We so we spend a bit of time with Mighty Eagle, and um, I think there's a bit where my, where they're singing the Mighty Eagle song, but we only remember the first verse. And I enjoyed Mighty Eagle's menacing voice when he's asking them to sing the second verse. He just goes, "Do it, do it, do it," and it's sort of low menace. And so they force themselves to sing it. Mighty, mighty eagle soaring free, defender of our homes and liberty. Bravery, humility, and honesty. You must have grown up singing this song in school. Um, yeah. Yes, we did. Um, right, yeah. Mighty, mighty eagle. 
Rescue me. Now you do the second verse. Uh, I, I, um... Come on! Me? Yes. Do it. Uh, do it. That's while they're up here, where the pigs enact their evil plan to steal all the eggs. And they watch this from up top the mountain and decide to go down to try and rescue the eggs and... Mighty Eagle does not join them no. on their quest, decides not to help them. Yeah. The pigs have built a nightclub. Yeah, yeah. And all the birds decide to go to the opening of this big nightclub. And while the birds are occupied, the pigs use their trampolines mm-hmm. and slingshots to go into the houses, steal the eggs, and then put a bunch of TNT everywhere and blow the whole village up. Reminds me a bit of Temple of Doom, of all the, the, the Indian village where all the kids are gone. <laughs> um, because that's what's happened, all their children have been taken. I liked there was, um, in a part of the debris was a smouldering sign which said World Map, which mm. felt like video game kind of reference. That's what I was talking about earlier, because I think the island is just, it's just the entire world. But yeah, that's true. So the pigs have kidnapped all the eggs is at this point where they try and hatch a plan. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, have you ever tried to feed an egg to a pig? <laughs> do pigs do pigs like eggs? I don't know. But this is the thing, is that... You haven't lived if you haven't fed the pigs it. <laughs> want the, the pigs want the eggs so they can eat the eggs. Mm-hmm. Have they invaded other bird islands and know about eggs? Mm. I don't know. I mean, I, there's a weird bacon thing going on. There is definitely a sequence where one pig eats a sausage... Yes, and it's just, it's like Breakfast the movie. Mm. Sounds like my kind of movie. (laughs) But it's pigs trying to eat AIDS, it's all AIDS and bacon. Mm -hmm. You were saying there's an Angry Birds cookbook? Yes, Um, it's called called Bad Piggies. I think that's pretty much what it's called. There's also a National Geographic book series, which I I don't don't know what What that's about. about Just Angry Birds in real life? Oh, that would be good, wouldn't it? But I don't don't know. Um, It's called Bad Piggies. Egg recipes. Okay. This is the bit where um, Red is trying to rally um, everyone to be angry like the game. Yes, everyone has to harness their anger so they can build a boat. Like the game. Because that's what happens. <laughs> no, you The know birds what? go full Moana, hit the sea, follow the debris that's been left by the pig vessel to find, to reach Piggy Island... Mm. Where Leonard is the king of the pigs, he's got king a... Mudbeard. Yeah, I didn't see. Why does he have a different name change? Yeah, and also he introduced himself as Leonard, but also people call me Chuckles. So oh. I, I was very confused as to what his actual character name was. So the the pigs, they've got the eggs, and they say they're going to have a feast two nights hence. Yeah, which to... gives the birds plenty of time to get to Piggy Island. But I like the design of Piggy Island. I know, mm. obviously. The structures of Piggy Island are inspired by those in the games, lots mm-hmm. of teetering towers. But it was a nicely intricate uh, city with a big castle yeah, in the middle. Visually resplendent. Yeah. And then they later on, they're flying around in biplanes and, and mm-hmm. things. It has a sort of, I don't know, it could have been a little bit Studio Ghibli if they if they wanted to. You could easily see a Porco Rosso mm. oh. um, style That'd have been a good version, reference. but it's here that we kind of launch into the final act of the film. The Angry Birds, like Rampage in Rampage, the last act of the film is 
very much the video game. And um, yeah, if you've been waiting for it, it's good stuff, I think. It's as cathartic as the um, games in a way. Um, so they continue to fire themselves into the city until I think it's Red's turn and Red makes it into the castle itself, uh, I think along with Chuck. And there's a lot of messing around the castle. There's a few good gags and a few bad gags. I think there's one where King Leonard says um, there's a red bird in the walls and they start listening to the concrete blocks, which I thought was a lot of fun. And then, I mean, I've got, I'm running out of notes here. I only got like little bits and bobs of things which happened. There's a little bit, I imagine, inspired by the Quicksilver sequence in X-Men Days of Future Past, where the bird is running really, really fast, um, where everyone is very, very still. Uh, Leonard decides to say, let's eat the eggs now. Let's have an early lunch. And they slowly move the eggs uh, all in a big net, lower them in, lowering them into a big boiling pot mm-hmm. cauldron. But Red gets to the dining hall mm-hmm. in the nick of time, and so does the mighty eagle. Again, false drama, as we're fans of. He says, "I'm not going to help." When well, you know it, he decides to, and then he comes in at the last minute and grabs the eggs. And then there's a little reminded me a bit of Chicken Run. Not surprisingly, this, this whole film, because again, it's about flightless birds taking flight, and there's a whole bit where the big pig is grabbing onto the net of eggs. And yes, yeah, so the they get they rescue most of the eggs, but there's one left behind. And Red stays back to say, no, I'm going to save this one egg. So the Mighty Eagle plus Chuck and Bomb, they sweep to safety. Red goes back and falls down a big hole with King Leonard. Mm -hmm. Onto lots of TNT. Leonard insults Red, calls him eyebrows, which is basically the equivalent of being called chicken in Back to the Future. Mm. But he sort of swallows his anger... And decides to. It's not always good trick to trick him. He tricks him a little bit. Well, basically, rather than being angry and beating him up, senseless. That would have been a good ending. He just like murders <laughs> Bur- him. Burst his eyes because he keeps punching so much. Just chokes uh, the pig with mm. his bird hand. A string of sausages. <laughs> Are those str- is that string attached to Leonard or is that? He's um being um. Fed into a sausage-making machine while being strangled by the other end. <laughs> um, again, saving it for the sequel because he does survive. Yes, the empty cauldron falls on top of Red and the aid he was trying to save, thereby protecting him from the dynamite explosion which was caused by Leonard dropping a candle, I think, and igniting everything. Mm. Everything super explodes. So there's a moment where they all think Red didn't make it, but oh, I, don't know. I was I was I was getting a bit emotional. I yeah. thought that was it, but it wasn't. Red's alive with the egg, and um, they do actually keep Leonard's fate in question until the credits. Yes, we would see that this city's been laid to waste, but no pig seems to have survived. But mm. In the end credits, it's all okay. The pigs are all right. They start mm. dusting themselves off and yeah. Leonard teases a sequel. Yeah. All's well that ends well. The immortal bard. The immortal bard. Although in this film, it'd be the immortal bird, because that's very, this kind of film. Very good. Uh, 
Ten minutes of Shakespeare bird puns. I go. Know. You didn't. I, when you started this podcast, I didn't think you'd you'd think it would go to the places this podcast has gone. But I think it's to the film's credit, though. I, I do. I, I we end the film with Red getting as newly constructed home, but within the town this time, which got me all a bit emotional. I, I would I'll absolutely say I got a little bit of emotion at the end there. It was sweet. It was sweet. I mean, I would have preferred a beach view as well. And they and all the hatchlings from all the aids that he saved mm. gather together and sing a cute little song. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of, of cuteness for cuteness sake usually, but it was cute and their little angry faces. It was so sweet. I, well, one of the more successful running guides was how the age that um, he almost... Well, that the aid that he destroyed at the very start of the film, mm-hmm. the baby inside referred to him as Daddy throughout. That was one of the nicer running games. I actually didn't really care for that joke myself. Um, I took what I could get. Yep. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, so emotional journey of Red, as I mentioned at the start, what, what has he learned? It seems to support the fact that being angry, I suppose being angry sometimes is good. I think any film the argument it makes is that everything's okay in moderation. Mm. And I don't see how the anger really harnessed anyone's powers or capability. It was the slingshot what done it. Mm. But I think... And the slingshot was bestowed upon them by the pigs. Mm. But I think he does try and say to the birds, get angry to get your your kids back. I think he he tries to use rage in a positive way. I guess because they're hes- uh, hesitant about leaving the island mm. and he galvanises them through anger motivation. He should have done what Moana did and tell them that they're explorers. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. well, I was going to say, I mean, the reason why I'm asking about this is that what what's going to happen in the sequel? Why is he going to get... Is he going to get... Is his wife going to get shot and killed and then he decides to go... Like, what happens with a lot of sequels? Yeah, this film feels very one and done. I don't see... Is there anything more to Angry Birds lore? I mean, the only thing I can... Only place I think it could go is space. Didn't they do an Angry Birds in space, space game? One. But again, what are the pigs going to do if they don't want to steal the eggs? <laughs> Having enjoyed this film, and I'll say that I enjoyed this film... I will be there for the sequel when it comes out in cinemas. Because you're obliged to by appearing on this podcast. Yes, that's true. I don't think every film has to lift its source material. What I mean is, I think this film perhaps wouldn't exist if, like, the Lego movie hadn't been commissioned. Is that... Am I, am I getting my dates slightly wrong? Lego was before this. It was, but I'm, I'm sure there was... A movement to make an Angry Birds movie before a Lego movie. But um, what I'm trying to say is that the Lego movie is one of those perfect examples of a kind of what seems like to be a fairly cynical cash grab idea, but is absolutely lifted by the writers, directors and stuff. It's a fantastic movie. Not every franchise film needs to do that. The Angry Birds movie is an Angry Birds movie. It's as witty as the game and the game obviously has no speech but you know it's just got that kind of slightly funny feel it passes the time it looks beautiful this is the first time i've watched the film twice before a podcast because i wanted to watch one of it analyzing it and the other one just to enjoy it and, and enjoy it i did 
how did, how did you feel the Angry Birds went for you? I think if you're using the comparison of the Lego movie, I think Lego movie is top. You have Emoji movie at the bottom. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the Emoji movie. I'm just going by... Well, how can you use it then? I'm just going by general critical consensus. Then the Angry Birds movie is somewhere in between mm-hmm. in terms of coming to it, in terms of sort of perception. Because I think... Again, as you say, if someone says, oh, they're making a movie out of Angry Birds, oh, there's no story, oh, it's just a stupid app video game, and every video game movie will have a degree of that thrust upon it in terms of expectations, I think it surpasses the expectations of what an Angry Birds movie could have been. It feels like a proper movie. It feels like a proper movie. I think a lot of that is down to the animation. I think that a lot of it is down to the weirdly overstuffed voice cast Mm. not necessarily in the quality of the performances i think the principles are fine but it seems weird that you're having hannibal burris and keegan michael key and Mm. kate mckinnon just contributing a few bits of dialogue here and there when it's not really necessary it doesn't really add anything to the film in terms of their own performances it's just name recognition but it it, I guess it holds a certain cachet as a result of casting those, um, you know, comic talents. Yeah, I mean, I was waiting, as I say, with bated breath for Sean Penn's big moment, which uh, didn't really come. I think it's a pretty decent animation. It mm. was... What's the selling point of the film? Is the quality of the animation? Is the colours, the vibrancy, the energy, mm. the kinetic slapstick? The jokes aren't necessarily great, but some of the visual stuff is very entertaining. For fans of the games, I mean, I don't think you have to have played the games to enjoy the film, mm. but you might wonder why certain things are happening. Why they go straight to Catabolts? No one would have written an original script, mm. which was a tale of flightless birds having their aids kidnapped by green pigs mm. and then using a slingshot to propel themselves into green pigs mm, buildings castles. in order to rescue those eggs. It it doesn't make sense. But then that's part of the appeal of the games is that oh, there's just a bunch of birds and they're really angry and they're trying to steal their eggs mm. back from greedy pigs. Mm. It doesn't make much sense in that respect but it does a decent enough job turning that into a story adding some character to the game designs i mean <clears throat> some when i say a film it passed the time I, I do mean that as a compliment i i has i don't feel like i've wasted my time watching it um unlike some other films that uh, we may talk about or have talked about already yeah i think it's it's i mean it's the second highest grossing video game movie of all time okay. at time of wikipedia reading mm-hmm. so i think it had a budget of 70 million and made 350 million worldwide okay um so that's clearly why a sequel has been greenlit i don't know why i don't know i don't know where the story okay. could go from that or how the characters can evolve any further i think it'll just be more of a even more of a cash grab mm. based on the success of the first film but i think it's got enough distinct character to set it apart from the 
mid-tier animations. So not your main Disney, not your main Pixar, not your big but DreamWorks. you'd recommend this over Sherlock Gnomes. I'll have to see Sherlock Gnomes and get back to you. Okay. Sherlock Gnomes could be a classic. So how much did this film cost again? 73 million, I think. And just wondering how many of our next film that could have made. We are now having done a few, um, I think you were saying, PGU rated movies, some family friendly cinematic adaptations of video games. To certain degrees, although both this and Wing Commander had strange sexual mm. uh, humour and innuendo. Yes, but um, for our next feature film, we are. It's summer, it's festival season, and uh, we thought, what better film to encapsulate this party spirit than going to a remote island? For an all-night party rave. For an all-night party rave. Which isn't Bird Island or Piggy Island. No, it is an island where a certain house is located. Yes. A house of of the the dead. dead. Yes, we are... Cracking open... Well, it was a toss-up between a bowl, an Uwe Boll, or a Paul W.S. Anderson. Mm-hmm. And we think, we think we're going to have to just, like, pop our bowl cherry. Mm. Get stuck right in there with the House of the Dead, which uh, we mentioned right back in episode zero. But yes, because we've had this string of family-ish movies, mm. we decided to go with something... Well, I guess it's not appropriate for any audiences. Mm, well, At least that was my abiding memory last time I saw yeah, it. Yeah, I can't. I don't think I have seen it since the cinema. So it'd be good to see if it's improved with age, like a fine wine, um, or just rotten. Rotten. Um, I hope you'll join us in a couple of weeks to watch uh, or hear our thoughts on House of the Dead. I've been Harry Steele, and my Twitter handle is. At only man who can. I'm Rory Steele. You can find me on Twitter at Rory Steele. And you can follow and like and subscribe to Games on Film Pod on Facebook, facebook.com slash games on film pod, twitter.com slash games on film pod. Uh, you can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash games on film pod. You can find us on Acast and Player FM and iTunes and whatever podcast app that you might be using. And uh, also you can email us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. And thanks once again to David Lightfoot for providing the theme tunes. So until next time, thank you for listening to Games on Film. Take care. Bye. Bye.